0: Good morning. It is good to be back with you. Turn in your Bibles if you have your Bible with you to Acts chapter 12. You know, we just talked about the fact that Christ is our cornerstone. Is Christ the cornerstone of your life? Is He truly at the center of your life? How reliant upon Him are you? You know, in the day in which we live, we've gotten pretty smart, haven't we? We've got a way that we can communicate a, a little thing that will fit in our hand, that we can call the other side of the world. In fact, for you fellas, if you're like a typical fella, when you're driving down the road with your wife or your girlfriend, and you want directions, guarantee you won't stop. Isn't that true, ladies? But you got this little thing here that will speak to you and tell you where you need to turn. This little device will... Help you do all kinds of things. It'll help you know what's going on in the world around you. That's just one thing. There are all kinds of things in the world that makes us think that we're awfully smart. But yet, it also reminds me that life has changed. When I was growing up, there were a lot of things that were very popular. and Things maybe that we relied upon. But you know, things change. I remember when I was a kid and we used to go to baseball practice, they'd load us all up and throw us in the back of the truck. Now, who would do that today, right? I remember going on vacation and actually looking at the back of the vehicle at all the cars as they were driving my direction. I began to think, you know, that means I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. It's amazing how our perspective Has changed. When I was growing up, there was a real popular thing called lawn darts. You remember lawn darts? You could kill somebody with a lawn dart. But you know what? No matter how smart we've become, we have never given up our need for the Lord. But the problem is, the smarter we've become, the less reliant upon Him we are. Isn't that true? Even for us that are believers, there are many times in which we take for granted the power that prayer offers to us. That's what I want to talk to you about today. The power of prayer. Acts chapter 12 tells a story that I want us to consider. I'm going to ask you to keep your Bible open, because we're going to consider almost the whole chapter. But right now, I just want to read the first five verses. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, and I'm reading from the ESV translation. It says this, About that time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread, and when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Will you pray with me? God, we've opened your book, the Bible, And we've come today to worship and praise you. And now we come to the moment where we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, we've talked to you through prayer. We've read your word. We've sung to you and of you. But now we pray that your Holy Spirit would fall down upon us. And first of all, that we'd understand in our weak, finite minds that you'd give us understanding to this portion of your word. And that God, through that same spirit, that we would not just understand this book, but Lord, that you would give us courage and the power and the anointing to put into practice the truth that you tell us in such a way that it will make a difference in our lives, we pray. Lord, teach us today, Lord. Teach us the power of prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do we really believe in the power of prayer? I wonder. I wonder if we truly do. Dr. Peter Kreft is is a philosophy professor at Boston College. And here's what he wrote one time. He said, he wrote, I'm sorry, I strongly suspect that if we saw all the difference even the tiniest prayers make and all the people, those little prayers were destined to affect and all the consequences of all those prayers down through the centuries, we would be so paralyzed with awe at the power of prayer that we would not be able to get up off our knees for the rest of our lives. I think he's telling the truth. This episode in the Bible illustrates the power of prayer, its great power, but also gives us some important elements for us to understand it, and today I want us to think how we might impact our lives if prayer indeed is powerful. First of all, I want to point out to you the fact that God's power is displayed in impossible situations. God's power is displayed in impossible situations. Peter has found himself in a situation that it appears is impossible. Maybe you're here this morning and you, like Peter, might feel like your situation is impossible. You might be thinking that there's no way out. There's no hope. There's no help. I'm here to tell you that God majors on those times that appear impossible... Because his power is most visibly displayed. These first five verses tell us that the early church is in an impossible situation, it appears humanly. It says that about that time, Herod the king takes the pastor of the church, seizes him, kills him, and the people are pleased with it. Not the people of the church, but the people of the community are pleased with it. You see, about that time, the early church was beginning to grow. Its influence was, was rising, and because of that, there were many things that were going on. Persecution, for example, like from Herod was taking place. We also begin to read, if we were to read earlier in chapter 11, we will read that a, an emperor named Claudius had come into power. And if you read anything in history, you'll read about the persecution that Claudius brought to the early church. And here the early church is at a crossroad. It's in a difficult situation. That early church was struggling to know. It seems like all around us is The odds are stacked against us. The people don't like us. The Jews don't like us. The emperor doesn't like us. And if you read at the end of chapter 11, it almost seems like they're in an impossible situation also because there was a famine that was about to come to their land. And not only that, this fledgling group of people that were struggling because Jesus had moved on and they were looking forward to his return and their beloved pastor was arrested and killed and then they find that Peter, the associate pastor, has been grabbed as well and he's arrested and he is placed in prison. But you know, Peter had a record, did you know that? If you read in Acts chapter 5, you'll find that Peter had been arrested before and God sent angels to release him and so when Herod decides to arrest Peter, he doesn't just say, okay, a couple of you fellows watch him. Notice what it says in chapter 4. It says that, um, verse 4, it says that four squads of soldiers were watching him. Please understand, a squad of soldiers is four people. So four squads of four soldiers each were guarding Peter. Four times four is how many people? 16. That's right. Even in the new math, it's 16, all right? 16 people are guarding Peter. Peter is there. He's got chains on each arm, and there's a fella on the end of those chains. Not only that, the scripture tells us, as we keep on reading, that he's in a jail cell, and that jail cell is locked, and there's two fellows guarding the jail cell. And if just for an incredible moment that he was to get away from that it says that the jail itself is outside the city walls and it's guard guarded by soldiers as well and all those soldiers are on a rotation 16 of them guarding Peter and it says that it's the night before he is to be executed that's what verse 6 tells us so Peter is in an impossible situation. You might feel like that you're in an impossible situation. I'm here to tell you that God majors on those situations. He is very well aware that He allows certain things and maybe even causes certain things to happen so that you will cry out to Him. He places you sometimes in impossible situations. Why? So that His power might be on most visible display like a spotlight. He knows what we're like. He knows that if there's 95% that only He can do, and 5% that we can do, and we pray and God gets us out of it, you know what we do? We thank God for what He allowed us to do, and we take some of the credit. Isn't that true? Is it just me? We're all like that, aren't we? But sometimes God puts us in a situation where it has to be a hundred percent God. It's an impossible situation. And God when he delivers you. He knows that his power is most visibly displayed. I can tell you story after story in my life. Finally. Finally I get it. God is all powerful. He's always working. And finally I understand that even those situations. That it appeared like I had a hand in. Oh no. It's God who always does it. Are you facing an impossible situation? Have you gone to the doctor recently and gotten a report? And you wonder is there any hope? There is hope. Is, are your relationships, is there struggle there? Does it appear impossible? Are there situations in your life that, you have, that it just feels like, that there's no hope, that there's no help? I'm here to tell you as a voice, as a messenger of God, to tell him, to tell you that he loves those situations because he loves to show up. God and his power is most visibly displayed in impossible situations. Second thing you'll notice here is that God's power is shown in his complete control. Verse 6 and following. Now when Herod was about to bring Peter out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and centuries before the door were guarding the prison, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side, and he woke him up, and he said, get up quickly, and the chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals, and he did so, and then he said, wrap your cloak around you, and follow me, put on your coat, Peter, in verse 9, and when he went out... and Peter went out and followed him. He followed the angel. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city, and it opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. And when... Peter came to himself when he realized it wasn't just a a vision, that it was really taking place, that it was reality. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Let's pause there just for a moment. Please understand that God's power is shown in His complete control. There is a word in theology called God's sovereignty. Sovereignty is the reign of a sovereign, of a king. What we have here is a display that God is in complete control. First of all, He, he shows His complete control by choosing when He shows up. When he shows up, verse 6 tells us, when does God deliver Peter? At the very last moment. He waits until the 11th hour. He waits for the moment when it seems impossible, that there's no hope, that there's no help. Their backs are against the wall and then God shows up. You know why? Because many times God does that on purpose because he knows what you and I are like. Just imagine for a moment that you, you have a situation that has a deadline. Maybe it's, maybe it's next Friday. Here we are on Sunday and next Friday you're in a situation you know that something has to happen. You don't know what to do. You don't have any way out. You're just praying that God will deliver you and you start to pray. You're begging God, oh God, will you please help me? Will you please show up? Will you please do something? And you pray and you pray and you pray on Sunday. And on Monday, God doesn't deliver you and you keep on praying. Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday. At the last moment, many times that's when God delivers you. You know why? Because when you're begging God and you're on your knees asking God in prayer, He knows that the very first thing you're going to do when you get your answer is what? Stop praying. Isn't that true? Sometimes God waits Because God wants you to continue reaching out to Him. He wants you to lean upon Him. God is so much in control that He chooses when to show up. Not only that, God's so much in control, He chooses how to show up. Look at verse 7. And behold, an angel came. Now, I'm not sure about you, but every time I pray, an angel doesn't show up. Right? I mean, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm, oh me, of little faith. But that usually doesn't happen to me. I believe that the Lord has sent an angel in a couple of situations. I'd be glad to tell you about them. But the amazing thing about God's power is He not only chooses when to show up, He chooses how to show up, and what we have to have is the eyes of faith to see it. Many times we take it for granted. We see that something is coming along, and we might pray briefly, or we may not pray at all, and God delivers us. And many times we don't have the eyes of faith to see it, that God was at work all along. God's so much in control that He chooses when to show up. He chooses how to show up. And verse 10 tells us, He also chooses the economy of his power. Verse 10 says, When Peter and the angel had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Now, why is that? I would tend to think this. The reason that... The angel left him is because Peter didn't need an angel anymore. See, the principle that this teaches us about God's power is he chooses when to show up, how to show up, and also how long to show up in a miraculous way. You see, Peter, guarded by two chains, couldn't get those chains open because he didn't have the key. Only God could release him from those chains. Not only that, he didn't have the key to the jail cell. Only God could do that, and God did that. God could, Peter could not get by those guards without God's deliverance, and that's exactly what God did. The scripture says that the jail itself was outside of the city walls, and Peter, of all the citizens in the city, did not have the key to the city, all right? He couldn't get inside the city, but God opened the door, the gates of the city, so that he might walk in freedom. But you know what? He certainly knew how to make his way to where the church was praying. He knew the way. and An angel wasn't necessary. Here's the principle for you to take home with you today. God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself, but he will not do for you what you are perfectly capable of doing on your own. God will not smack you upside the head or drag you out of bed on a morning like this to come worship him. You are perfectly capable of doing it. God will not... Grab your attention early in the morning or sometime during the day to open his word. That he might speak to you through his word. You're perfectly capable of doing that on your own. God will not make you share your testimony and the gospel with those whom you love. Your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates. God won't do that for you. You are perfectly capable of doing it on your own. But there are some things in life that you cannot do on your own and in God's providence and in His mercy and in His power, He shows up and does those things for us to again remind us that He is in control. God's power is shown in His complete Control. You see, prayer is very important to understand. Prayer is not informing God of what he does not know. And talking God into doing something he does not want to do. In fact, the scripture says that your father knows what you need even before you ask him. You know what prayer is? Prayer is the flag flown over the human heart when God is on the throne. Prayer is the way that we express that we trust God, that our allegiance is with Him. Prayer is the way that we can say, God, our trust is in you. And prayer is an avenue that many times we overlook. We look to it many times as a last resort. It should be our first resource, not our last resort. This passage teaches us that God's power is shown in his complete control. It's shown in impossible situations. But please don't miss that God's power is unleashed by prayer. Look at verse 12. When Peter realizes this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together, and they were praying. You see... The church had gathered to pray, and they had continued to pray the whole time that he was in jail. More than a week, we're told, because it said it was during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They were still gathered together. They were still pouring out their hearts to God. And the scripture says that they were united in prayer. There's something about gathering together with other believers, pouring out our hearts to God. There's something about that, that God Blesses The scripture says here that their prayer was unceasing. They continued to pray. pray. But not only that, there was a certain urgency to it. Verse 5 said, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. That word earnest is a, a word that means to be stretched out to the point of breaking. It means to plead with God, to beg God. I wonder how many times we've been that desperate. I wonder how many times we've been that urgent and fervent in reaching out to God. God wants us to reach out to him in this way. You see, God has hardwired the world to work through prayer. Jesus said himself, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find Knock and it will be open to you. But everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And him who knocks. The door will be opened. I wonder how many times a closed door is because we haven't knocked. I wonder how many times when we feel lost in the journey. Because we haven't sought him. I wonder how many times we've gone without an answer to prayer. Because we haven't asked. God's. Power is unleashed by prayer. We see Peter knocks on the door and verse 13, when he knocked on the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Now, as we read through this, understand that sometimes the Bible has quite a bit of humor in it. And if you'll just follow along, you'll see the humor in this situation. Peter knocks on the door. Rhoda came to answer it. Verse 14, recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, You're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and they were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison and he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. But now when the day came there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod had searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries, the guards, and he ordered that they should be put to death. And then they Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. So first of all, we see that Rhoda is alarmed. We find that the Christians are astonished. The very people that were praying for Peter's release, when he actually was released, they almost didn't believe it. Or they thought he'd been killed and his ghost was there at the door. The soldiers were afraid. Why? Because a soldier... That let a prisoner escape, he let a prisoner escape, would suffer the punishment that was due to that prisoner. And all of a sudden, you had a bunch of soldiers checking their life insurance policies about right now. Not only that, you find that Herod was angry. He was angry that this one that already had a record, God released him again. And then we find. Verse 20, now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon and they came to him with one accord and having persuaded Blastus the king's chamberlain they asked for peace because their country depended on the, country's, uh, the king's country for food and on an appointed day Herod put on his royal robes and he took his seat upon the throne and he delivered an oration, a speech to them and the people were shouting this is the voice of a God not of a man and Herod didn't stop them Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last but the word of God increased and multiplied. God's power is unleashed by prayer. Let me tell you why I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that because think about what was happening at the beginning of the story. At the beginning of the story the early church is at a crossroad. It seems like everything is against them. There's a famine that's coming. The The Jews hate them. The emperor wants to kill them. Herod has killed their pastor and placed their associate pastor in jail. It's about the moment when it seems like their movement is going to be stamped out. Then at the end of the story, what do we find? We find that Herod himself is killed by God because of his arrogance. We find that Peter is released. We find that the early church begins to flourish because it says the word of God increased and multiplied. The early believers had gone from a situation that seemed hopeless and now it was flourishing. Let me ask you, what made the difference? Verse 5. They were pouring their hearts out to God in prayer. You see, the early church didn't deliver themselves by the sword, or by weapon, or by force, or by popularity. They prayed, and God delivered them. I wonder when we will learn that lesson. I wonder when we will learn that no matter how smart we may seem that we are, no matter how much on the outside it seems like we have everything together, I wonder how much in all of our scheming, and all of our plots, and all of our plans... When will we learn that God's power is unleashed by prayer and we ought to get on our knees first, not as a last resort? Because God is powerful and wants to display His power among us. And so many times we take it granted are you a person of prayer are you would we be able to look at your life and to say that you are a person of prayer are you a, a people of prayer as a as a church would that be how you would be described by those that know you Sometimes we're not people of prayer, I must admit. Sometimes we're not people of prayer because we're not followers of Jesus yet. We're not followers of Jesus yet. We've heard about Him. We might know a little bit about Him, but we're not a follower of Jesus yet. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you are not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a child of Jesus, if you are not born again, one reason that you may not be praying, or if you are praying and God is not answering, it may be because you're not a person of faith yet, and today might be the day where you change that. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers because we pray with an unrepentant heart. Scripture says in Psalm 66, If I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I wonder if there might be some in this room that you have cherished in your heart some sin, some pet sin, and you've kept it there, and you will not give it up. And because of that, God is not going to answer your prayers because you need to repent first. Sometimes, God doesn't answer our prayers. You know why? Because... We haven't prayed. James 4 says you do not have because you do not ask. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer because we ask with a selfish heart. That's what James 4 goes on to say. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers. You know why? Because we're mistreating those around us. The scripture says very clearly, husbands, wives, how you treat each other affects your prayer life. 1 Peter 3, husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. You know what that means? If you're not treating your wife right... Wives, if you're not treating your husband right, if you're not in right relationship with others, the scripture says that your prayers will be hindered. Maybe today someone needs to repent of that and make that right so that from this day forward, that God will honor your prayers. Folks, no matter where you are in your walk with God, understand that God wants you to be a praying person. You have not many times because you ask not. God wants you as a church to be a praying people. You do not find many times because you do not seek. Your church should have a prayer ministry where you're regularly praying for one another. I noticed in your bulletin that it says that you believe in the power of prayer. But I wonder how many of those cards get filled out by you. I wonder how many of those prayer requests get passed on. I wonder how many times we bow the knee and plead to God on behalf of one another because we're a family, the family of God. I wonder how many times we've considered that our church ought to have a prayer strategy. That we ought to be praying not just for one another, but those who who lead us in our local government, in our local businesses, in our community. That we would pray for lost folks. That we would pray for those who don't have a relationship with God. Pray for those that are struggling. All the many ways, the multitude of ways that we can express that we are a praying people. I'm here to tell you, God is a powerful God. And God wants you to understand that He sometimes puts you in impossible situations so that He might show that power. Sometimes you're in situations that are an incredible display that God is completely in control. But don't miss this. If there's nothing else you remember about what I say, understand this. God's power is displayed through prayer to God that we would be a praying people. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. I want to ask you this morning are you in need of prayer? Are you this morning coming with a heart that's burdened down that you need someone to pray for you? In a few moments we're going to sing a song and I'm going to ask you to come that you might come down front and have someone pray with you or maybe you need to Just bow the knee down front and pray yourself. Do you have a loved one that you're burdened for? Maybe today you need to come and pray for them. Maybe today you need to say that the reason God hasn't answered your prayers is because you don't have a relationship with Him. Or perhaps you're mistreating others. Or you have a lack of repentance inside. Something that you're holding on to. Perhaps today you need to pray about your future. What God would have you do in your future. How God would use your life to make a difference for Him. Maybe today. The time when you bow the knee. That you would humble yourself and ask that God would pour out His power upon you. In such an incredible way you need Him Oh dear God, may we not take you for granted. May you, oh dear God, may you forgive us when we do. When so many times we should pray and seek you and we have not done so. Oh God, forgive us. Forgive us for our self-reliance. Forgive us for all the times that we come up with our own plans and our own purposes and our own strategies. And God, we do that first rather than seeking you first. Oh God. Forgive us, Lord, for being prideful, control-centered people. and May we cede our control over to you. May you indeed become the Lord and master of our life. Lord, even today, I know that among these, my friends, there are many who need you, who are seeking you. They need to be prayed for. And maybe today, maybe today, they can feel the touch of your spirit upon them. Oh, dear Jesus, pour out your Spirit upon us, we pray. Show your power in such a way that we are amazed. and We can't think about what we've done, but what you've done. Oh, God, hear our prayers, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and sing. Fred, lead us.